0: Welcome back. This is part two of a two-part series on unrealistic expectations and following Jesus. We're glad you joined us once again.
1: Let's do a couple quick hits on some other topics. Uh, unrealistic expectations for facing difficulty. This has mm-hmm. been a thread throughout everything we've talked about, but our culture does tend to condition people that nothing should be hard in life. Uh, we've got unrealistic expectations that if something's hard, that means something's going wrong. And that's just not true. Sometimes the very best things in life are things that are difficult, that are mm-hmm. hard. And so we've got to teach ourselves to persevere through hardness and not have an unrealistic realistic expectation that if God intends something for us, it's just going to go smooth and be perfect. Often God gives us barriers to things he still very much wants for us to pursue in
0: our life. All growth requires resistance. You want to get stronger physically? You got to lift weights and you're going to start low and you're going to be intimidated because you're going to be beside people who are lifting heavier weight than you are, but that's the process of growth. Same thing with running, same thing with anything cardiovascular. I mean, it's the same across the board. So why would you expect your spiritual life to be any different? You are not going to grow by avoiding difficult barriers to growth. You are going to grow by gaining the skills and the strength to overcome and climb over the barriers to spiritual growth in your life. And the most important things in life are difficult.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's,
0: it's all related
1: to spiritual growth, but think about excelling at work. That's going to be difficult. Think about excelling at parenthood. Yeah, There's going to be struggle. It's going to be difficult. Um, you know, stop in some sense, stop saying parenthood is hard. Of course it's hard. It's hard for
0: everyone, but it is worth it. Absolutely. Not if nothing in life that's easy is usually worth doing. The easy stuff is what distracts you from the difficulty that's going to grow you. And so if you look at your life and all that you're willing to commit to are things that are easy, all you're willing to do are things that come naturally to you. I can tell you one thing for certain, you will never grow as a person and you will never grow as a follower of Jesus Christ. It is only through difficulty that you watch people grow. The most successful people in this world that I talk to are people that will tell you how difficult the journey to gaining the success that they're experiencing now was in gaining. Nobody says, well, it was easy. Right. Well, if it was easy and you've got some type of success, then you didn't do it. I got to find who else did it. I got to yeah. find who's back Absolutely. you built this on because somebody – Endured the difficulty. And that's the story that I want because that's the story that's going to give me the tools that I need to grow. And and I've seen so many people avoid difficulty. I've seen so many marriages fail because a difficult season came up and they didn't deal with it. And what people need to realize is that so many people have this unrealistic expectation about dysfunction in their lives is that you think that when you come to faith in Jesus Christ that you're going to return to the life that you had and all of the dysfunction will be gone, all of the dysfunction will be fixed, all of the emotional turmoil that you had in your life, all of the emotional struggles you had in your life, you expect them to have this magic Holy Spirit pixie dust on them and that they're all just going to have faded away. And that's not how the Christian life works at all. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, let me tell you the normal Christian life, all of the dysfunction is there, and usually it gets more difficult to deal with because dysfunctional people tend to surround themselves with dysfunctional people. And so if one dysfunctional person comes to faith in Jesus Christ and begins to function because of your faith in Jesus Christ, those dysfunctional people that you've built a life with, guess what? They're going to resent you. They're not going to like you that you're functioning normal. So what are they going to try to do? They want you to be just as dysfunctional as they are. And sometimes people burn out in faith in Jesus Christ because they think, well, why didn't Jesus just fix the dysfunction? No, that's not what the gospel does. What the gospel does is it gives you a new life, gives you the power of the Holy Spirit, and now you have the wisdom, the strength, and the ability to deal with the dysfunction to make it better. And you're only gonna do that one of three ways. You have to face your own dysfunction. So many people disengage from reality. So many people avoid reality. They don't wanna face their own dysfunction. So you wanna know why you're still struggling with anxiety? You want to know why you're still struggling with depression? You want to know why you're still struggling with just those late night emotions where you've got a thousand thoughts running through your head? It's because you're not facing your dysfunction. You're avoiding it. You're putting your energy somewhere else thinking that if I just focus on this other thing, I can avoid all of the stuff that's actually dysfunctional in my life. Never going to work. You got to face it. Secondly, you got to fix it. You have the strength from God because of the gospel of Jesus Christ to make better decisions. You can now deal with your emotions, but if you refuse to look at it and say, I got to put the work in to fix it, it's never going to work. But then the third thing, and this is even harder for some people, is sometimes you have to flee dysfunction. Psalm 1, don't sit in the seat of scoffers. The Proverbs Don't surround yourself with fools and don't surround yourself with scoffers. One of the primary ways that most people could deal with dysfunction in their life is if you flee the people that are bringing dysfunction in your life. And so what everybody will tell me is, but but, but, I need to be in their lives so that they can experience faith in Jesus Christ. And my question to you is, how's that working out for you? Are they being pulled up by your faith or are you being dragged (laughs) down? by their dysfunction. If you're being dragged down, I've got one great gospel evangelistic moment for you. You need to look at every one of them and say, because of my faith in Jesus Christ, I'm not going to let you losers drag me down anymore. I have to flee this situation so that I can grow in my faith. And once you begin to face it and fix it, then those people that you had to flee they will see the change that Jesus Christ has made in your life. And one, two, maybe all of them eventually will come to you and say, how can I fix my life?
1: Yeah, that's good. And that's just, you know, having realistic expectations about how to deal with the change that God does bring into your life, but not necessarily fixing every other part surrounding yeah. your life and then and the final point really is just marriage and family, yeah, I think that's a good one, and some free uh free marriage counseling yeah because so often we're gonna do this quick, yeah, so often when we're we're talking to couples, um it is unrealistic expectations that are just uh sabotaging their marriage life, one of the biggest ones is over romanticized ideals,
0: oh my gosh, uh, it's just. <laughs> And I think men and women struggle with this, yeah. but differently. Men struggle with this because you have this vision that your wife is always going to be made up. It's always going to have a hot meal ready for you, is always going to find you the most arousing <laughs> you know, figure that they've ever seen in their lives. And they're always just going to be all over you and physically overwhelming you. And reality is everybody gets tired. Everybody's libido drops off. <laughs> you know, when you have kids, you got to focus on them. And you're you're just lucky yeah. to, to get into bed to get a good night's sleep sometimes. This isn't saying that the fires of romance cannot be stoked, but the expectations of right. romance need to be realistic. Uh, and women struggle with this mostly emotionally, is that they expect their husband to always just be that, that listening ear. They expect the husband to always be empathetic. They don't want sympathy. They want empathy. They don't want you to fix it. They want you to just listen to it and sit in it with them. They want you to always be that just man that's going to be there to always absorb all of the hurts that you've perceived and And men cannot do that all the time. Men are carrying a burden from work. Men are carrying a burden from their career. Joe Rogan has said, and man, this is a natural revelation. He's not a Christian, but this is a natural revelation Mm -hmm. for you. Most men sit for years in silent despair because life hasn't turned out the way that they wanted it. They weren't the hero of the action movie. They weren't the athlete that they thought they were going to be. They didn't make the money that they thought they were going to make. And they're carrying father wounds. They're carrying mother wounds. They're carrying friendship wounds, career wounds. And guess what? Men aren't always wired to where they're ever going to tell you about any of it. That's why it's called silent despair. And so when they come home just to receive more of it, They want out. They want out. And so men and women need to have realistic expectations for one another where marriage is concerned. And so the way that I've seen a lot of husbands and wives fix it is say, you know what? Our marriage will be better if we have children. Oh, my goodness. You've just introduced gasoline into the fire. (laughs) It doesn't always make it easier, but I can guarantee it's going to make it more difficult. Because then you're just exhausted all the time. And here's the thing. I've been married for almost 18 years. i got three kids. We're happier than we've ever been. We we have more joy in my house than—I mean, I tell people all the time, God has been so gracious to me because I honestly— I, I, imposter syndrome where families, <laughs> I don't feel like I deserve yeah. the joy that I have. I know I don't deserve the wife that I have. I've got amazing kids, and people ask me, how did you do that? And often I say, I have no idea uh, <laughs> how I did it. Well, I do. It's just a few simple principles that I've put in place. Yeah. But man, if you will just just go into your relationship with realistic expectations on one another. we did, I didn't get to 18 years and happy on accident yeah there's been years of struggle in there where i had unrealistic expectations about her she had unrealistic expectations about me on many many things And we just had to learn to communicate. We had to learn to share our expectations. I had to learn to cool my expectations of some things down. And so did she. We had to learn the principle that I try to teach young married couples. And that is you try to meet her needs. He tries to meet your needs. And then, you know, everybody's needs are being met. But the moment that you begin to resent the person because you're like, you're not reaching this specific need. You need to realize that you're creating a false God out of your spouse. Yeah. It's a lot of
1: all the things we've talked about this episode, right? So one, yes, unrealistic expectations about the differences between men and women. That's the one unique thing. But then it gets into unrealistic expectations about not expecting to be sinned against. Mm-hmm. You're certainly going to sin against your spouse and and she or he is going to sin against you.
0: And it husbands, if you think, and I say this as a guy that is witty and I have a response for everything <laughs> anybody says to me. If you think that you haven't sinned against your spouse in something that you've said yeah. this week, yeah, grow up and start listening to the words that come out of your mouth. <laughs> right. And so
1: just unrealistic expectations about seasons of life, too. That comes into it. Uh, all, all, Pretty much everything that we've said can apply to marriage. You need to remember that. One thing that I do see a lot, though, is... Poor communication causes unrealistic expectations. Uh, so sometimes time. there was actually no problem with the expectations. It could have been realistic, except that you didn't communicate it, and our spouses aren't mind readers. And so mm-hmm. then it turns into an unrealistic expectation. I, mean, we, we,
0: I don't remember who gave me this principle, but I remember very early on in the life of the church, I, I, I've really tried to drill into all the staff members. Over-communication is better than under-communication. Yeah. If your spouse... If you feel neglected, if you feel resentful, if you feel that something isn't going the way that you think it is, yeah. you need to find a way, not a nagging way, not an angry way. You need to find a way to communicate that to your spouse because I can tell you they may not even realize there's a problem. Yeah. They may not realize that they weren't listening to you the way that you wanted to be listened to. They may not realize that, that you were laying a burden on them that, that they couldn't handle, and so they neglected you for a minute. Some, I'm amazed at the things people do, and they don't realize they're yeah. doing it. And so you need to communicate with your spouse. You also need to realize that having a family requires whatever time you think your family requires, it's more. Yeah. Uh, quantity time creates quality time. Uh, I've seen so many men struggle because they try to schedule quality time. Okay, I'm going to have some quality time with my family this Saturday between 3 p.m. and 7 p.m. That's just not the way it works, bro. Yeah. Yeah. it might if you're really strategic and you've been spending quantity time other places, and here between three and seven, you've got this event that you yeah. know is going to be quality, but it's not going to happen just because you want it to happen. Your your kids might be sick that day. Uh, you you, you know your your wife might be yeah. sick. Your your kids might need a nap during that time. And the only way you're ever going to have that quality time is if you spend a lot of time. But also, and this is something that we've been learning a lot about lately. Realize that that doesn't mean because then some people go the other way and they resent their spouse if their spouse ever yeah, leaves I see the house. More with wives, to be frank. I'm glad you said it so that I wouldn't have to. <laughs> this is mostly a female problem. Yeah. Is you need to understand, and I love this. Civilization itself <clears throat> was built by men with families, yeah, and they had to leave the house to do that. Yeah. So the unrealistic
1: expectation there is that it becomes all family time all the time, and so yes. Most often men do need to prioritize family time more. But then the flip side of that is I need to say more to the wives. Uh, don't expect your husband's life to be completely about family time because he's got to go out and build civilization. Like, let's
0: say your husband is an entrepreneur and he's always at home and he's yeah. always available to, to have every meal with you. And he's always available to, to play with the kids every single yeah. day. That business. Yeah, is going under. It you is. are going bankrupt as a family. It's just like church ministry. You know, this church demands a tremendous amount of time from us, yeah. a tremendous amount of thought from us, a tremendous amount of time of investment from us. And so that means very much in our lives that we have no wasted moments where we're really scheduling our lives and we're really saying, okay, I've got to have a lot of things in tension here yeah. or I've got to be a good good father, a good husband, and I've got to be a good pastor yeah. who's building a successful church. It's the same rules that everybody else plays yeah. with. We just do it on a pastoral level. This church didn't grow without us investing a tremendous amount of time and sacrificing family
1: time. Yeah, it's got to happen. And so here's where I do see some men get into trouble is they they take the charge that they are to be leaders of their family and leaders of their home. And then they kind of shrink that down to their only discipleship responsibility is their family.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's not going to work. No, that's, like the, that's not how the world functions. The church either is not built by childless men. And we need men and women too, this is actually applies to both, stepping up to be disciple makers outside of their home. When I say women too, women need to disciple other women. That yeah. is what we see in Titus 2. Men need to make
0: space for their wives to do that. Yeah, it's, it's just this interesting thing where the, that goes back to that communication thing. My yeah. wife knows Um, That I'm going to spend a lot of time away from her uh, where I'm when I'm working, when I'm writing, when I'm, you know, not with the family for, you know, for hours on end or sometimes, man, days on end whenever we have to do something when those seasons come up where it's busier than other seasons. But here's here's the deal. My wife, you know what she wants me to do? She just wants me to communicate with her about it. The thing that irritates my wife, and it's always been a struggle for me, is when I'm like on a Monday morning, oh, by the way, I'm going to be gone Tuesday <laughs> through Thursday. And yeah. she's like, what in the world? If, if I tell her a month ahead, and that's where schedules really come yeah. into play, where this, this expectation is concerned. Man, if you're going to be successful at anything in life, it's yeah. going to demand you learning how to calendar your life out and realize I've got, I've got to hold all of these things in tension and I've got to have this amazing balance. Now I would really
1: say kind of put a a note on that. Um, Husbands, dads, uh, especially those that have understood the importance of discipling their families. We are with you and we are for you, but don't neglect the responsibility of the great commission to decide, make disciples in the church because your kids actually need to see that.
0: 100 percent. It's so important. I, I, I want my kids, when I pass on, you know, say that God gives me a normal life expectancy on this earth and, and I pass away. I, of course, want my kids to look at me and say he was a loving husband and he was a committed father. I want them to say that. But more than that, If I'm going to be a loving husband and a committed father, I've got to be a fierce disciple maker. Yeah, I've got to be a committed follower of Jesus Christ. And so the most important thing to me is that my kids see a dad who was passionate about investing his time wisely to make sure that disciples were made every single day. I mean, think about every single breath I take puts me closer to the last breath I'll ever take. I mean, that's that's a sobering thing. And so it's not just this like live like you were dying mentality, but it kind of is Mm -hmm. because it's this every moment of your life is lived in anticipation of the final moment of your life. And I've got to invest those moments really well. And so the way that I've chosen to invest those moments in my life is to make sure disciples are made out of my life. I cannot disciple my kids without discipling people who aren't my kids. Because my kids have to look at my dad look at me as their dad and say, my dad loved Jesus and he wanted other people to learn how to follow Jesus. And so that's where he put his time. And so dads, if your kids are looking at you and yeah, you're investing some, some time, it's not even say a good amount of time in your family, but then outside of them, it's golf, it's fixing old cars, it's sports, it's all these other things. Again, not immoral things. We can look at them as amoral things. But if you invest all of your time heavily over there, you're not going to disciple your kids well, because they're not going to look at your life and say, my dad made disciples. He made disciples of Jesus Christ. And so if I'm never making disciples that aren't my kids, my kids are never going to make disciples outside of themselves either. And so I've got to teach them that by using my time really, really well. And then I think Another great place to go is to talk about the fact that a lot of people have unrealistic expectations because they they think that God has promised them things that he hasn't. Yeah. You, a lot of people hold God accountable to things that he never promised that he was going to give into lives and do for their lives. Yeah. I think that's a good
1: kind of bow tie to put on this episode is don't have unrealistic expectations about things that God has promised you that he has never actually promised you. Uh, I think, you know, an easy way to point to this would be to point to the prosperity gospel and and things that, you know, God has promised wealth and health and all those things. And, of course, he hasn't, and that's a total misunderstanding. Uh, but we do similar things in a lot of ways where it's not so obvious. Uh, we Things that we've talked about. We expect that God has promised that we won't fail at anything that we do. It, good things. Mm-hmm. We expect that there's not going to be hardship when we're pursuing
0: good things. You know, we, I think a lot that. of people have an expectation that they're never going to make bad decisions. Yeah. Yeah, and so you make a bad decision, you face the ramifications for your bad decision, and then you hold God accountable for yeah. that bad decision. <laughs> and there's there's an
1: expectation even that uh, God's like a genie that if I, if I do these things, this is going to
0: happen. Treating the proverbs like they're promises when they're principles. Yeah, there's going to be times when you you do everything right and it doesn't work out. Yeah, you know, but there also you need to look at just the the. The wisdom of God and say, if I make more wise choices than I make foolish choices, then I will probably experience more success you will experience the blessings of yeah. God but I think a great principle to have in your life that a lot of people don't have is you need to let God be sovereign over what the blessings and are why that's so important
1: is we don't always understand what God's doing no. God is good his his promises and principles in for example proverbs are true are real but sometimes in our finite
0: understanding we don't see how God is doing what he's doing look I, the fact of the matter is if you invest your your money wisely, I can say with pretty good confidence, you'll make money in life, all right? But you need to let God be sovereign enough that we may head into a recession and we may experience inflation in amazing amounts that kills your 401k, that that destroys the business or company that you've been working for and you get laid off. And you need to praise God because the hardship That you're going to enter into because of those things, that's as much from the hand of God as the blessing that you wanted of leisure, ease, and wealth. They're both from the hand of God. He's trying to teach you from both of them. Don't have unrealistic expectations that the grass is always going to be green in your life. Sometimes the grass is going to wither and God's teaching you something the same. What you need to trust God for is that he loves you. He has the best for you. And that's the promise
1: that you need to trust.
0: Now, I just want to have a quick bonus round. Okay. All right. I want to have a quick bonus round here is that I don't want to have this whole conversation and never talk about the fact that people sometimes have low expectations. (laughs) I mean, sometimes we have very low expectations. Too many Christians settle for a life with one foot in the world, one foot in the church. And I think you've got low expectations when you do that. Yeah, there's a low expectation of what it means to be
1: a committed Follower of Jesus. And and that's one thing at at Village that we really want to continually be calling people to at higher expectation that being a disciple means something, demands something of your life. The more
0: that you focus on growing your faith in Jesus Christ, the more committed you're going to be to his church, the more committed you're going to be to his mission. And you need to realize that having less time for what you might look at as worldly uh, pursuits, whatever that might be. Yeah. That's probably a sign of spiritual growth in your life. If you're becoming more passionate about making disciples, you're becoming more passionate about growing the church of Jesus Christ, and you're becoming more passionate about your life in Jesus Christ, well, that's where your time is going to start being shifted. And so that needs to be a good, healthy expectation that you have in your life. So never excuse a lack of commitment to the mission of Jesus Um, Because what you're doing is you're lowering lowering the expectation of what is required of you in following Jesus. And another thing where people's expectations are too low is that parents don't expect enough obedience from their children. This is a personally frustrating thing because I do see it. I see it inside of our church. Yeah. And I just want to be a caring, loving pastor. (laughs) And I want to uh, via whether you're on YouTube or whether you're listening to the podcast right now. You need to expect obedience from your children, yeah. and you need to privately correct them when, if, whenever they are disobedient to you. If you let disobedience to a command that you have laid down of your children slide, then you are setting a precedence that you are not a serious person that must be listened to. That means you are not in control of your family. That means that you have rebellious children. And and sometimes I see it, man. And here's the deal. If you go in public and your kids act like animals and you tell them to stop it and they don't, and they're all over everything. And, and I, you know, I, I saw one time a kid goes up, he's a little bitty boy, and he was kicking an adult in the shins. And it wasn't the mom and the dad and the mom and the dad, oh, stop it, oh, stop it. And he wouldn't stop it. You don't have control of your child. You need to raise the bar. You need to raise the expectation that you have of your children. Yeah. Expect obedience from your children.
1: We're trying to help you out here.
0: Uh, Don't have
1: too low expectations of of your children's obedience. And those things that happen in public are only going to be corrected in private with consistency. And so uh, it is, yes, is it time consuming when they're young? Does it take a lot of effort? Absolutely. That's why we've talked about hard things are things that are important, but you got to put in that time. And I promise you putting in that time when they're young is going to pay dividends when they're older. Same thing when they're older. Absolutely. don't have too low of expectations of obedience. Uh, I continually find this amusing, but not because it's so serious. Shockingly, parents are allowed to tell their kids what to do. Mm. That doesn't stop when they hit 13 and 14. Hopefully by that point, yes, you have built up a reservoir of trust. But even if you haven't, that doesn't absolve you from the responsibility to expect your children to obey
0: yeah and it's you, you're not being a a kind of a a tyrant, you're not being just this authoritarian person. I think society has shifted where and I think a lot of this is because of pop culture, but they'll watch these movies about these fathers from the 1950s that were totally disconnected alcoholics and and that you know he expected everybody to be quiet all the time and you know it just wasn't a good experience. And I think a lot of dads and moms alike have this fear. That if they are authoritative in their children's lives, then their children are necessarily going to grow up and resent them. Well, you don't have a balanced view of loving authority in your child's life. Then my kids know that I mean business and that I expect obedience in a moment from them. And I've built up a resume even publicly where people see that that is true. All right. But the way that I've done that is because my kids know that I'm for them. My kids know that everything that I do and every expectation that I set in their lives is because I want what's best for them. I'm also the most fun person in their lives. So they know that the guy that plans awesome vacations, the guy that buys them toys, the guy that plays with them in the backyard, the guy that's there for them when they're crying to give them a hug and comfort them. That guy is not just some kind of loveless authority figure in their lives. And so you need to cultivate that relationship with your children. But, you are not loving your children by allowing them to live disobediently because that's going to have bad ramifications down the road yep we want to thank you so much for joining us in this two-part series on unrealistic expectations where following jesus christ is concerned we're glad you joined us have a great day